We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Omani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. So, um, let's go over to Luke 16. Believe it or not, this is where this all started. Luke 16. Remember, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. You guys forgot, huh? And uh, today we're going to finish up this series. But this is kind of what stemmed the whole thing. In Luke chapter 16, it says in verse 18, Whoever divorces his wife, marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband, commits adultery. Divorce, marriage, adultery. Now, those are things that we deal with on a continual basis. Those are things that not only might we be tempted in, but also we counsel others in. And so when we came to this section right here, I just really felt the Lord saying, you know, you know, give uh, the congregation um, exactly what the Bible says on all these issues. You know, whenever you're studying the Bible, uh, you have to take all the scriptures together. And together, you're able to come up with what's called systematic theology. You know, uh, you don't isolate a passage. Uh, you have to take the whole Bible and you kind of put it together and you seek what's called a higher unity. And that's how we get the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, um, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, doctrine of salvation, heaven, hell, everything. It's by putting all the passages together and then finding out what the Lord says. And so in verse 18, what we see basically is that a lot of people were just, you know, divorcing their wife. Um, for, you know, random reasons. Um, we'll talk about that as we go through our study today. Um, and they were getting married, and they thought it was no big deal, ain't no thing. And Jesus said, when you do that, when it's an unbiblical divorce, and you just go ahead and move on to your next relationship, you are living in continual adultery. That's what he's saying. It's a real heavy warning that we need to understand and he says, and even if you're, you know, you never got married, but you, you know, married uh, a lady who was involved in an unbiblical uh, divorce, then, you know, you're committing adultery there as well. And so, you know, we got to know these things, especially as Christians. And so we got to know what marriage is. We got to know when and, and how it all works according to God's standards when it comes to divorce and then also remarriage. And we got to have a biblical balance. Now, real quick, I want to go over just the things that we've studied up to this point in the last three studies. Remember, first of all, we said that a couple living together is in sin, and that doesn't equate to marriage. And so um, just want to encourage you guys to know that if you're living together, um, I would say separate, seek counsel, um, but you can't. You can't continue to live in that relationship like that because it's sin. God can't bless you when you're living in sin. Secondly, uh, marriage can take place only between a man and a woman, uh, male and female. And we talked about how we must fight for what's right. And this whole thing is so important because the family, you know, is the fabric of society. God made husband and wife. He didn't just say, oh, let's just get a couple of people together and have them raise kids. No, he said, I, I've made a, a husband and a wife, a mother and a father. This is the nucleus of the family. 
and I will build my church and the government and everything stems from the family. And so we got to fight for that. we got to pray for that. Do everything we can to protect the family according to God's word. We saw thirdly that Christians are commanded to marry within the faith. And so if you're a Christian, you can only marry another Christian. And so be so careful. Don't fall in love with someone who's not a Christian. And if you're not 100% sure, if you're not 110% sure whether or not they really love the Lord, then flee that relationship. Because um, if they don't have the love of God, then they will not have the love of God for you. And one day, you continue to go forward, you're going to be sorry. God knows what's best, you know. And we talked last week about marriage, and we just touched on the ideas of the roles and responsibilities of a husband and a wife. And we saw that a husband was to be a lover and a leader, and the wife was supposed to be a helper and a homemaker. And if you weren't here, if you missed any of those studies, I would encourage you to pick up the CDs. But today we're going to get into uh, the area of divorce and, and remarriage. And what we're going to see, first of all, is divorce is permitted only in the case of adultery and abandonment. Now, we need to talk about this because it's a, it's a very, very, very huge problem in our world today and especially in the church. One guy, Michael Ross, he has a great article on marriage, and he said the greatest threat to marriage in America is not homosexuality, it's not same-sex marriage, it's not feminism or premarital sex. The great threat to marriage today is divorce. Unbiblical divorce, which constitutes the most sinful pattern in our broken world. Because people go into a relationship and they get married, they have kids, they move on, and we're going to see it's a violent act to the souls and hearts of our children and to our society. According to one man, he said this, Americans have grown comfortable with divorce as a natural part of life. He said, and I quote, there's no, longer a, there's no longer a stigma attached to divorce. It's now seen as an unavoidable rite of passage. Interviews with young adults suggest that they want their initial marriage to last, but they're not particularly optimistic about it. There's also evidence that many young people are moving toward and embracing the idea of what they call serial marriage in which a person gets married two or three or four times, seeking a different partner for every phase of their adult life. You know, and if we don't fight, if we don't stand, then, you know, our, our society, our country, our families will be ruined. You know, a lot of times we look back and we see, oh, this person right here, they got married, you know, 50 years ago. And back then, it, it meant something. You know, and now it doesn't. And it's almost like, you're uh, an anomaly if you're, you know, in a modern-day marriage that's lasting and you're committed to it. And so we need to be so careful, you guys. Divorce is devastating. We see that 30% of all adults will go through a divorce and 50% of all marriages will end in divorce. And a lot of times, you know, we get in a fight with our spouse and we say, I'm out of here. You know, or, you know, we use the, the D word, you know, when our arguments and we got to be so careful. We must never, ever, ever make light of divorce. But at the same time, and here's where I think it's necessary for us as a church to study this, 
we must also not say that no one ever has the right to divorce. You see? Because uh, remember that video we saw? Do you guys remember that video? The guy that you know we interviewed on the street and we asked him, is there ever a right to, you know, to get a divorce? And he said, yeah, in death, you know, when you die. And that's by definition not really a divorce. It's a dissolution of the marriage by death. But, you know, there, we, we can't make light of it, you know, because I'm telling you this, you will suffer if you do. And you will destroy lives if you do. And I know there's a lot of Christians. They continue to kick against the goads and God is telling them, go back to your spouse. And you're refusing to do that. You've got to be so careful. We can't make light of it. But at the same time, we understand that the Bible does give us, at times, a right to divorce. Something that's really interesting because... You know, we don't want to make light of it, but at the same time, we don't want to be unbiblical. You know, you know, um, someone maybe they've got they've gotten a divorce, and and maybe um, it was a biblical divorce. Everything was fine. We might even look down on them, and we can't do that. You know, even God. Did you guys know that God got a divorce from Israel? It says that in Isaiah 50 verse 1, and Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8 that he had to write them a certificate of divorce. Now, he will reconcile, but he did file. We need to know that, okay? God went through that. And so if you're here and you've gone through a biblical divorce, don't feel like you're a second-class Christian. You're not. What we need to find is a beautiful biblical balance. And so let's start off in the book of Malachi real quick, you guys. Malachi, I'm just messing with you. Malachi chapter 2. It's the last book in the Old Testament. And the first thing I want to look at is here is the passion, God's passion for marriage. And look what it says in verse 13. Because God is giving the, the, and believe it or not, he's talking to the priests. He's giving them, you know, the reason for his displeasure with them. Now, you guys know that between Malachi and the book of Matthew, there's 400 years of silence. You guys know that, right? That's pretty heavy when you think about it. You know, there was a silence. God was not speaking because they were living in sin. And that's what happens when you live in consistent, persistent, insistent sin. You will not hear the voice of God. And so he deals with the issues and he gets specific with them. And here in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. And yet you say, For what reason? Well, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. You know, there might be some here today. I know that there are many out there today who might be saved, but the bottom line is God's not regarding, God's not receiving your, their offering anymore. He's like not hearing your, their prayers anymore. Why is that? Well, it says right here, 
because they were dealing treacherously with their spouse. It's their dealing with their spouse. It's their divorcing their spouse. And therefore, God wasn't hearing their offering. I, but you trip out on that. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm crying. I'm weeping. And you know, usually when you see somebody crying and weeping on the altar, you think, oh yeah, God must hear. You know what? He doesn't. I don't care how emotional you get. It doesn't matter what the feelings are. Oh yeah. You know, if you're living in defiant sin, God won't hear. See, God meddles with the middle and God wants to make things right. And this is very, very important to Him. The dealing treacherously and the divorcing disobediently might be one and the same, but more than likely, the dealing treacherously is all the things that lead up and include the divorce disobediently. And that's why it's important for us to, you know, if you're here today and you're married, obviously this applies to you, you know. Whatever you do, uh, be so careful. Maintain that relationship. Don't drift apart. Stay together. This is for life. It's a vow that you made before God that He will hold you to. It's holy. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. If you're married, man, cherish these vows. But if you're single, you know, take this seriously because God's going to expect you, whoever you do get married to, to, to stay with them. And so this is for life. We're going to see later that when Jesus was talking to the apostles and explaining to them, yeah, you got to stay married. you got to stay married. You know, it can't be for irreconcilable differences. She burnt your chorizo. You can't get out of the relationship, right? You can't. Because a lot of times there's that mentality. I'm just going to move on. I'm not in love anymore. And, and so the Lord said to them, doesn't matter how you feel, this is for life. Unless, and he gives the exception. And so the apostles, remember what they said? They're like, forget it, man. I'm not going to get married, you know? They're like, this is crazy. That's really a high standard. And it, and it really is. And that's why if you're single, be careful. Be so careful. You enter into marriage with eyes wide open. Right? You really have to have that heart. You see, God right here says, I, I don't hear your prayers. I don't, I don't offer, I don't receive your sacrifices, your service. It's for nothing. Because you need to go back to your spouse. It's important for us to understand that. God's the witness. God sees everything. He was there when you made your vows. He saw your vows. He heard your vows. He was right smack dab in the middle of your vows. And he sees when so many break those vows. And therefore, he does not regard their offering, their sacrifice, their service, or their so-called prayers. You know, this is undoubtedly kind of like the heart of where Peter got his writing in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Remember what he said, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, speaking of the wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, if you divorce your wife or you deal treacherously with your wife, don't expect to have an open-door policy with God what he's saying and that's why it's so important for us to understand and so he says there in verse 14 yet you say for what reason because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously yet she's your gompa man she's your companion right 
your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And, and why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. I mean, there's so much here. I hope that you at least catch the passion of God uh, for marriage and how he feels about divorce. And I pray that we would understand, you know, what God is saying. He's saying there again in verse 14 that we have a companion for life. You know, um, it's a beautiful thing, a companionship. Uh, we see in verse 14 that marriage is a covenant with God and each other. See, there's the covenant. We see in verse 15 that marriage makes us one. It makes us one. It knits us together. It makes us one. And we see in verse 15 that marriage is the ordained channel for godly children. You know, it says that very clearly. And therefore, it says in verse 16 that God hates divorce. It says right there again, For it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. What do you think that means? It covers one's garment with violence. Most theologians will tell you that when you get a divorce, you know, you may not have ever physically killed anybody. But you know what? Emotionally and spiritually, maybe you have. It covers your garment with blood and violence. And it's a heavy thing. I'm not talking about a biblical divorce. I'm talking about that guy over there who met somebody younger. And he met somebody prettier. And he left his wife. his kids or whatever it was the wife nowadays the wife is the one that splits what happens to the kids what happens to their soul it shreds them I'll never forget the day that my dad walked out God's healed us thank God you know we're probably an exception but what he's saying right here is true. He hates divorce because of the violence it does to the heart of the people. And so I would encourage you guys to be so careful, man. Make sure you are, you know, like the Bible says, um, you know, that you become one, that you're one positionally and you continue to be one practically. Knit your hearts together, like William Shakespeare said, with an unslipping knot. Get closer and closer. You know, like they say, uh, marriage is like a pair of uh, shears. Sometimes they're going in the opposite direction, but then they come together to crush anything that comes between them. You know, you got to love each other this much, not that much, this much. Nothing comes between you, man. It's very important. Because if you drift apart, the next thing you know, you might fall apart. 
and what's going to happen. Not only to you, not only to your kids, not only to you know your family, but all the people that were watching you. And you say you're you know a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we see, and it is pray, and there's so much here, but number one is God's passion for marriage. But we also need to look at God's permission for divorce. And so let's look at a couple of passages. We'll start off in Matthew chapter 5. And notice what it says in verse 31. Jesus speaking, it's a Sermon on the Mount, and he's correcting their misconceptions. He says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, i got to tell you the context here real quickly. Okay, when Moses wrote this, and in the culture of the day, believe it or not, um, divorce, um, it, was, uh, it was basically saying, like, you got to do the paperwork. Okay, you got to do the paperwork. And in one sense, you guys know how it is, doing the paperwork is a hassle. Kind of a hassle, huh? Okay, so the Lord is saying, you know, in those days they were saying, you know, if you get a divorce, you know, make sure you do the paperwork. You know, <laughs> make sure that you go through everything that you got to go through to make this legit. And that was kind of a, a, a nuisance, I guess you could say. And so that's what that's all about. But the Lord says right here, but listen, man what he says in verse 32 but i say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery and whoever divorces a woman who is divorced commits adultery and so we see the first i guess you could say reason or or or, or you know reason to permit divorce is in the case of adultery we see it again if you go over to matthew 19 In verse 3, it says, The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let not man separate. Now you'll notice right there, the, the Lord just kind of just kind of gave a blanket thing, you know, about staying together. You notice that? He just staying together. But then they pressed him. It says there in verse 7, But why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And so he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, there it is again, and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever divorces her, whoever marries her with divorce, commits adultery. And so his disciples said to him in verse 10, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry. That's not true, huh? Sometimes I tell my wife, I say, sorry, babe, you're stuck with me, you know. And I hope that's a good thing, you know. But, um, but we are, in one sense, you know, we're bound together in this commitment, this covenant that God does not want us to violate. But sometimes, a man or a woman, they violate that commitment. They violate that covenant. They ravage it through adultery. And the Lord knows. I mean, God can work things out sometimes. But, you know, sometimes... Um, there are those who just don't want to change. They don't want to repent. 
And God says, in such cases, and in some cases, I want you to know that I give you the freedom to move on. You know, but we don't take it lightly. In Jesus' day, the popular view embraced by most rabbis succumbed to the cultural and pagan pressures to relax the rules of the Bible, the Torah. And so when you go back to Deuteronomy 24, it says that God did give them permission. It meant that the husband, according to their standards, could write a certificate to divorce, you know, his wife if she didn't like if he didn't like her cooking, if she was hard to get along with, if she wasn't able to have children, if she was overweight, if she was old, if she was too loud. I mean, I think on and on and on, you know, but, um, you know, God says, no, not for any reason, not for irreconcilable differences. I like what Greg Laurie said. He said, man, I've been having irreconcilable differences for the last 30 years with my wife, you know. No way. That's not what God says. He says, in the case of adultery, however, I do allow it. It's allowable for such things as death blows to a relationship. You know, I mean, I've seen some pretty interesting things in my life. I know that, you know, there's sometimes, man, you got these guys and they could take a punch and they get hit hard, you know, and they get back up. And, you know, sometimes a relationship, a marriage relationship is like that. They, they get hit with something like adultery. But, you know, in God's grace, there's repentance and they're able to move on. And it's a cool thing, you know. But there's other times, I'm sure you guys have heard those stories where that same punch killed somebody. Huh, you should trip out on that. You're like, wow, I, I guess he hit him in the right spot, or I guess, uh, you know, he couldn't take that type of, you know, abuse. And that's the way it is in marriage relationship. Some will survive, and, and, and some won't. And that's where we really have to take it to the Lord. The Lord says, and He knows that sometimes it's a death blow. And so God, you know, allows this to happen. Sometimes a husband or a wife, they just will not repent of the sin. They fall in love with someone else and they won't control themselves. God knows that they never will. They never control themselves. And that's a crazy thing. You know, every situation requires uh, spiritual contemplation. The Lord will show you and, and, not, and not me, not the person next to you. Um... You know, sometimes I'll just share this with you as a pastor. You'll hear about someone falling into sexual sin, you know, and uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, and I want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. I don't tell them get a divorce. I mean, who am I to say that? I mean, I can't because God might work it out. But I also don't tell them to stay together. I don't know. Only God knows and so what I do is I say, I will pray for you that God will lead you. And if your spouse has committed adultery and you choose to stay in the relationship, we will support you. But if you choose to move on, we will support you as well. Because I know what the Bible teaches. Sometimes God will make things right. But all I know is this. You guys that are messing around, flirting with fire, you're going to go and you're going to cheat. You know, spend that 20 minutes of sex with someone else. I'm telling you this right now. You are gambling with the life of your family. How dare you? Stay away. Stay clean for your family, for your God. Because that gives your spouse a right 
to move on. You see, God permits it in the case of adultery, and secondly, He permits it in the case of abandonment. And so we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for that. And in verse 12, Paul says, But to the rest I, not the Lord, say... And just in case you're wondering, what does that mean? Well, there are some things that Paul had specific instructions on from Christ, you know, kind of like in a written code. And there are other things that God just kind of worked through him as an apostle with a capital A, okay? So Paul wrote with apostolic authority. And he says right here, If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Abandonment, adultery and abandonment. Other people call it irreconcilable desertion or willful desertion or incurable desertion. It's when that individual deserts the marriage. Um, They leave. And uh, therefore, you know, because someone will say, well, it says the unbeliever departs. Well, if your spouse departs, then I would say that shows the fruit of them being a non-believer. Because you know a tree how? By its fruit. So when that person leaves, then you have the right, of course, to to remarry. You know, if you're married to a non-believer who's okay being married to you, they don't leave, they're living with you, willing to stay in the relationship, then the Christian does not have the right to divorce. But if the person quits, if they split, not that he went for a walk. Oh, they, 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 they went for a walk. I'm out of here. No. You know, or they spent the night at their parents' house. And I would discourage you. Don't run to your mommy and daddy, okay? But sometimes they do. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what God's talking about. No, it's a person who's left for good. If they've left for good, then it says God has not called us to bondage. But God called us to peace. God says, let him depart. You're free to move on. And, you know, when I read the Bible, when we read the Bible, and I've read a lot of books on marriage and divorce and remarriage, you know, these are really the only things that I see very clearly that say we have a right to divorce. Now, I realize things can be very, very complicated. You know, one thing we've seen in the years of marriage ministry is that there are many questions. There's some very unique situations. If you're here today and you're not sure, you know, give us a call. Talk to a marriage counselor, a marriage leader. You know, some people have questions about physical abuse. What if my spouse is physically abusing me? What if my spouse refuses to work and support the family and they're the man? What if my spouse is involved in illegal activities that threaten the safety of our family? What if my spouse refuses to engage in marital sex? What if they refuse to have children or they're addicted 
and to unrepentant addictions and pornography and alcohol and drug abuse? What if they're involved in the occult? There's a lot of different things that people face. My encouragement to you is in all these situations, you talk to someone. If you're here, though, and you're being physically abused, you know, I would say, boom, get out. Legal, sep- get out, separate. And then you begin to talk and you begin to work things out. Do not stay in a marriage where you are being physically abused. And that's where, in one sense, one guy says this, in such cases, the church through its ordained officers, must be engaged for advice, assistance, and biblical guidance. Because in the end, the dissolution of a marriage should never be the decision of one grieved spouse. Just as it took four parties to contract the marriage, husband, wife, church, and state, so it will necessitate the interaction of the same four parties to dissolve the marriage. And just in case you're wondering what physical abuse is, I'm talking about if your husband lays a hand on you, that's physical abuse. Because men, come on. You can't do that. Not for a second. And that's why we need to pray hard as a Christian. We need to pray harder before we get married. And we need to pray hardest before we get a divorce. And so that brings us to our final point, And that is, well, what about remarriage? You know, when can we do that? Well, remarriage is allowed in the cases of biological deaths, of course. Biblical divorces, of course, or if you were divorced before you were a Christian. Let's look at a couple of quick passages. The first one in Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, uh, Paul says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. And so when, you know, the spouse, if the spouse passes on, of course, then that individual is free to remarry. I just tell my wife, give it a few weeks at least. That's what I tell her. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful with that, you know. But I know it's hard to imagine. And I, I don't even want to think of that. I hope and pray that we get raptured together. You know, but the Lord knows. And so we just need to know what the Bible teaches. Secondly, we need to know that in the case of biblical divorce, it's okay to remarry. We'll go back to 1 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 7. And notice what it says in verse 10. Now to the married again, I command, yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now, if a person gets an unbiblical divorce, you know, and maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and you've got an unbiblical divorce um, as a Christian, while you've been a Christian, or maybe even you're like, I'm going to do it anyways. You know, and, and it's true. You're not a robot. We can lead a horse to water, but we can't make it drink. You can still go and do what you're going to do. But let me tell you something, man. You need to heed the warning of Malachi. The message of Malachi. The violence it does to the soul. Remember what we just read, for one. But if for some reason you still go ahead and you do it anyways, it says right there, then you can't be remarried. 
And you're like, okay, I'll do it. You know, I don't care. All right, but I'm telling you this. You're going to be sorry. You're going to be sorry. You see, if a person gets an unbiblical divorce, they will have to deal with the message of Malachi and they're not allowed to be remarried. And so be careful who you marry, man. In verse 27, look what it says in the same chapter. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. Now, what he's speaking about right there, are you bound to a wife? You know, you're married. Then, you know, don't try to get a divorce. Don't, don't seek to be loosed. And if you're loose, now the Greek word for loose, it means to release or dissolve. So if you did get that, you know, divorce, you don't do it in order to go and then find another relationship. You know, sometimes what people will do is, though, I got someone else lined up. Yeah, man, and that's why they get a divorce. No, if you get a divorce, it's because that relationship has been severed. That relationship has been destroyed through adultery. And then what you do is you get your eyes on the Lord. You know, because i got to say this, and, and in, in all reality, you know, yeah, maybe your spouse was the one who was unfaithful, but you also have to check your own heart. What did you do to strengthen your relationship? What did you do? Was there any part of it in which you were responsible? And see, we have to search our hearts. And so that's why we can't just go and get a divorce and then, boom, go and get a marriage real quick. No. We have to seek the Lord and get our relationship right with the Lord. He said, are you loose from a wife? Don't seek a wife. You don't do it real flippantly. But when you get your relationship right with the Lord, he said in verse 28, but if you do marry, you're, you're not going to sin. And so there's the freedom there. Everything, man, is taken very, very seriously. You know, we see this explicitly. We see it implicitly. And we know that if God permits the divorce, how would it stand to reason that he would punish remarriage, especially in light of Genesis 2.18 where it says it's not good that man should be alone. And so I just really encourage you uh, to do things God's way and to, and to have him truly first in your life. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. I know there's a lot of questions people ask. Well, what if I get a divorce? You know, if I got a divorce before I was a believer... Okay, so now I'm a believer and my spouse is willing to work it out. I would say to you, then try to be reconciled. Well, what if I got a, a divorce before I was a Christian, before I was a believer, and now they're married to someone else? Well, tell them to get a divorce and then you guys can get back together again. No, I'm just joking. You don't do stuff like that, right? You know, what if I get an unbiblical divorce before I was a believer? Now they're married to someone else and so you know what? You're able to move on. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom and all these things. And we just need to know that we can never, ever, ever make light of it. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking, Lord, if this study would even save just one marriage, it'd be worth it. And not just for marriages to survive, but for marriages to thrive. To know that as you're there and he puts you together for companionship and he puts you together for his glory and he puts you together for godly offspring and all the things that God wants to do as a reflection of the 
relationship of Jesus Christ and the church and the beauty of this whole thing, that really when you do things God's way, you will be blessed. But we've got to know what the Bible teaches on all these issues. You know, we must never, ever, ever make light of divorce, but we must also not say no one ever has the right to divorce. There are times when God gives the right to divorce. And if God gives the right to divorce, then at times it's right to divorce. Is that a tongue twister? No, I don't think so. I think that's just what the Bible says. And so God help us to preserve the sanctity of marriage. I pray you guys would have a wonderful marriage and to preserve the family that's so precious in God's side. Because we're living in some crazy, crazy times, you guys where people take this so lightly and it's destroying us. It really is. Even in the church, huh? You know, um, it's crazy. A while back, and I think I read this on a Thursday night, um, how many of you heard of that guy, Pat Robertson? You you used to watch him, but you don't watch him anymore, do you? (laughs) No, I don't know if he's ever changed, but you know what he said? This is right here. Religious broadcaster Pat Robinson stunned the 700 Club viewers Tuesday when he said that divorcing a spouse with Alzheimer's disease was justified. He said he wouldn't put a guilt trip on someone for divorcing a spouse with Alzheimer's disease, calling Alzheimer's itself a kind of death. And what he did was he used kind of like a creative way of like, you know, just symbol, symbolizing these things. And we can do that. We can say, oh, I'll get a divorce. They've abandoned me because they don't talk to me that much. But they're still living in the house. We can get real creative. Oh, they're dead in my eyes, and so I can move on. Pat Robertson here is a man with a, a Christian platform telling you know, millions of people that if your spouse gets sick, then you can leave them. And when I read that, I was just devastated. I mean, I said, wait a minute. What about the vows that we made before God for better, for worse, sickness and health, richer for poorer, till death do us part? And here's a man who has this platform. Millions of Christians are watching him and listening to him say that if your spouse gets sick, It's okay to get a divorce. He said this, I know it sounds cruel, but if he's going to do something, he should divorce her and start all over again. But make sure she has custodial care and somebody looking after her. And it just turned my stomach when I read that. He said, when being cared for by a spouse, the love of that spouse, one individual said, is often what enables a person with Alzheimer's disease to continue and to not feel abandoned I went to go visit someone and I'll close with this this week whose husband has been in a coma for three years and she's there every day and she uh, she gives him massages she makes sure his hands stay straight She changes his sheets and his pillowcases and she takes them home and washes them. And she's there by his side. And 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 to her it was just a simple a simple reason. She said, 
Well, I made the vow. You know, in sickness and, and in health. And man, when I saw that, I was just blown away. And I was reminded, you know, of these vows that we've made as married couples, you guys. May God help us. Uh, give us the wisdom so that this beautiful thing that God instituted called the family would just be something that we all take so seriously in our hearts and that we would know what the Bible teaches and we would submit to it. And if you need to go back to your spouse, then go back to your spouse. Because the moment that you take that step into the Jordan River, it will, it will part. And I'm talking about physically, I'm talking about emotionally, I'm talking about spiritually, I'm talking about everything that God wants to do. Because, you know, when your relationship is right with God, then your relationship will be right with all those around you especially the one that he gave for you to love like no other. And so, Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word. And uh, just uh, even, Lord, from day one and what marriage is and our roles and responsibilities. And even though we hear the counsel of the world, Lord, we thank you uh, for the authority of your word. Pray for all the marriages here, Lord, that you would just help us bless these relationships, Lord. Let them be beautiful, wonderful, God. And I pray for all the single people here that, that might be getting married, Lord, that they would wait on you. And, Lord, that you would give them wisdom in all the relationships and decisions and things that are in front of them. I pray for them. And I know some, Lord God, I know many, Lord, find themselves lonely. Lord, thank you that you are our husband. You are our best friend. I thank you, Lord, that we can wait on you with joy. And I just love you, Lord. I pray that everyone here, Father, would know the love of Jesus Christ in their hearts. And that we would yield our lives to you as Lord and Savior. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.